When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with two very talented filmmakers. And I, I just got a taste of of their latest, and uh, what a what a job they've done. November seventeenth, everybody will be able to see it worldwide. And I got Bud Force and John Langmore here with me, and I, I'll tell you, 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 two talented folks giving a depiction of the modern day cowboy that uh, it, you really aren't going to get anywhere else. The name of the film is Cowboys, a documentary portrait. And again, November 17th, you'll all be able to get it, but trust me, it is absolutely terrific. Bud and John, how are you? Doing great. How are you today? I'm doing great. And and Bud, let me start with you. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's always interesting to hear how filmmakers got together, uh, and it's always interesting, I guess, to know how Cowboys got together. How did you and John get together? Well, John and I both have a, a history cowboying, and, and I myself in rodeo as well, riding bulls back in the day, and uh, had a bad injury, short story, became a filmmaker, and moved down close to Austin about five years ago, and took out an office in town, uh, basically at the back of this long, dark catacomb of a hallway, but lo and behold, the, the guy next to me, the sign on his door said, John Langmore, photographer. And he wasn't there at the time. I Googled him to see who I was going to be rooming next to, and, and he turned out to be a cowboy photographer. And so when we met with our combined cowboy history, uh, we hit it off right away and became acquaintances, and it probably wasn't six months later that we decided to go through and, and try to create an authentic documentary about the contemporary working cowboy. And John Langmore, let me uh, let me ask you basically the same thing. Your, your first impression of of Bud, and and again, I, before I even continue, let me just tell you, I, I envy you guys, and I think all guys, uh, you know, envy you to be able to do this and to get a taste of of all of it. But John Langmore, you started out as a lawyer before being a cowboy, and then uh, you know, again, uh, I, give me a timeline of, of of your first impression of Bud. Yeah, so it's it's funny, <laughs> you know. The other side of Bud's description is, you know, I'm in my office one day and in walks this guy in shorts and uh, I think a Willie Nelson t-shirt, kind of long hair, and tells me he just got off the Tongue River Ranch, which is up in the Panhandle of Texas, which I bet there aren't 15 people in Austin, Texas, that are familiar <laughs> with the Tongue River, and I was just thinking about trying to get on there to go finish up my book, which I was in the process of finishing that book on the cowboy. and Open range. And so this guy, yeah, open range, exactly. So this guy in the office next to me says, I just got back from the Tongue River. Yeah, it just, 
and he and he's dressed the way he is. I just couldn't make sense of it, you know. And <laughs> but you can imagine how quickly, um, you know, with with that kind of connection, um, that he and I sort of became personally connected. And then, it, as he said, it wasn't six months later that we had formed 1922 films with the intention of, you know, making cowboys. Bud, let me turn back to you. It's it's one thing to envision what your film is going to be, and it's another thing once it's done to see it and and see the reality. How much different was the the preparation and the uh, and the anticipation than reality? Well, when you're making a documentary, you know you're depicting real life, and real life has changes, so you're always presented with surprises, good or bad. So you put down a bit of an outline. You hope to achieve some certain outcome, but you also have to realize the project is dynamic the entire time you're working on it. I think for both John and I, we wanted to create a film that was as authentic about this culture uh, as is possible. And we wanted it to be cinematic. We wanted it to resonate with the cowboys in the bunkhouse, but hopefully appeal to someone who lives in Manhattan and really has very little clue of where their beef comes from. And honestly, after five years of working on it with our entire team, for me personally, and I, I think everyone involved, it's turned out to be pretty much exactly what we were hoping to achieve uh, at the outset. Well, like I said, I, I got a taste of it. And everyone's got to check it out on November 17th. It is absolutely terrific. Uh, it's just, it just a beautiful depiction of, of Cowboys, a documentary portrait is the name. And Bud Force and John Langmore are our very special guests. Thrilled to have both of them. John, I'm uh, going back to you. The, uh, the book Open Range, uh, it, it's uh, kind of a lead-in to, I would assume, it's a kind of a lead-in to, uh, to the film for you. Um, is it, I, I, you know, I, I guess it's almost a rhetorical question, but I, I guess the, the research you did on the book had to have helped with the, the film. Yeah, there's no question. From you know, obviously, my book wasn't a lead-in for Bud to the film. It was his own experience, but it was absolutely for me. It was the entire precedent for the film. So my father actually did a book on the. He's a photographer did a well-known book on the working cowboy back in 1975. And he got me a job when I was 12 cowboying, and I did it for 12 summers. And then, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I turned to professional life and uh, pursued that for a long time until I took up photography much later in life. And, um, you know, somewhere along the way, decided I was going to go do a project on the working cowboy, kind of pick up where my dad left off and kind of return to my own roots in the working cowboy world and so I went back to a lot of the ranches I had worked on and some new ones and I had spent about almost four years working on that book before Bud and I met um, and had been to about 10 of the 12 ranches I initially photographed for the book by the time he and I started talking about making the film so when he and I set out to do the film you know I already had this long um, relationship, you know, not only running back to my kind of early youth cowboying, but also the time spent working on the book. So 
Bud and I went to, you know, a lot of the places that I had been to. I had friends and because it's it is not easy to for these to get ranchers and cowboys to let you on these ranches where they're working every day around livestock and so getting access is a huge part of it and you know the beauty of it is although it took bud and i four years to make the film i can't imagine how long it would have taken if we would have had to work on access before all of that as well so we were able to just show up on the ranches and start filming but uh, let me turn to you again the uh the the whole idea that uh, that we have, that I have, non-cowboys have of of what the professions there. What what do you think will surprise us as we're watching the the documentary? And again, I'll remind everyone: November seventeenth, they can see it worldwide. Cowboys, a documentary portrait. But what what do you think will surprise us? And did anything at all in the making of it uh, surprise you? Well, I think one of the aspects that might be surprising to a lot of people is that there is this culture that still, in fact, exists today. A lot of people are disassociated from where they get their food and specifically beef. And so this documentary really goes through and shows where your beef comes from and the love that this culture and these people have for those animals and providing the world's beef. So I, th I think it's a surprise and and hopefully educational to a lot of folks about where their food comes from. And uh, and even for me specifically, uh, just traveling around to all these big outfits across the American West. I mean, the smallest ranch we filmed on was 187,000 acres, and the biggest one being 1.1 million acres. But these wow. folks, you don't see them from the road. You know, and a lot of people have this idea of what a cowboy is in their own head, but not a lot of people really understand what the concentrated version of that is, which we envision being this, this big outfit working cowboy. And so I, I think uh, for me and, and the general public, it's, it's neat to see that this group of folks is still out there. They're not going away. It's not a last of the kind breed. As long as folks eat beef, there will always be cowboys and cowgirls out there working to provide that. Uh, John, uh, let me uh, let me close with you. I mean, you both. Uh, uh, thank you both for, very much for being here. Just thrilled to have you. It's it's going to be a great film, Cowboys: A Documentary Portrait. Uh, John, uh, uh, kind of tugging on your your background as a lawyer, and just knowing what the world is like uh, now, and everyone always has a complaint. Do you anticipate any blowback? You know, there are a lot of vegans back there. There's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, vegetarians <laughs> out there. Do you, do you imagine anybody's going to have a complaint about your documentary? And if so, uh, where is it going to come from? Yeah, that's a funny. You're the first one to ask that, right? That's an interesting. I've been waiting for that question. Um, I'm sure there's going to be blowback only from the perspective of everything gets blowback right. in the world everything. today you know there is no place to hide about any given topic but more specifically we have you know we were very conscious about what we showed and not to to hide anything but you know being conscious of of what, what you actually put into the film and there are some you know, very tough aspects like pulling a calf and the calf doesn't survive um, which you know, is is a, a very emotionally fraught 
period of the film. And, and, you know, we talked about it extensively, and we've shown it to a number of audiences to date, and there's not been any kind of meaningful blowback. The one thing I think, and to me it wouldn't be blowback on the film itself, but it might be a point that people would talk about, is obviously now there's a big discussion about the extent to which cattle production produces methane, which is, um, right. you know, adds to global warming what's that going to do to the industry what do the cowboys think about it um you know i think that that's probably something that over time you know this film might uh generate but i will say that cowboys care for those animals so deeply like that is the purpose of their existence and i think that comes through that you know they care about both the horses and the cows, and, you know, really their whole purpose is to take care of them, and I think anyone would be aware of that after they watch the film. Hey, Bud, uh, Bud, last word, uh, do you have a, a website, both of you is a website, social media site you can point us to to kind of follow uh, what you guys are doing and, and certainly the film? Absolutely. The, the website for the film is thecowboymovie.com, and if you go there, you can see a 90-second trailer for the film in addition to links to all of our social media and uh, additional information on when the film will be coming out and what platforms it will be coming out on. Congratulations to both of you, and thank you very, very much for being here. Uh, congrats. Thank I can't wait till the 17th when everyone can see it. Appreciate Thanks for it. having us, Frank. Real pleasure. Bud Force and John Langmore have been our very special guests have been our very special guest. Their film, Cowboys, a documentary portrait, is the name of the film. And it's uh, also, get the book, Open Range. It's supposed to be terrific. That's John Langmore's uh, book. They are co-directors of this film. And, uh, you know, uh, listen, I've always had always had that uh, that eye uh, in, in the back of my head on, on <laughs> being a cowboy. We saw the modern-day cowboys are truck drivers, you know, like cross-country drivers, and uh, it would be there. But uh, listen, that's modern-day cowboys are cowboys, are modern-day cowboys, and these guys prove that with this film, Cowboys, a documentary portrait. Bud Force, who's a, a former bull rider, and John Langmore is a former lawyer, both cowboys, both uh, had terrific careers as cowboys and now as filmmakers. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a, a, a terrific guy 
a, a very talented man, and we're going to be talking about his uh, children's book, The Magical Reality of Nadia, but uh, this man has done so much. Uh, he's, uh, he's very much known as the John Stewart of the Arab world, the John Stewart of the Middle East. Uh, he's a courageous guy. He escaped dictatorship, and uh, he, he spoke out there. He spoke out here. Uh, he's absolutely terrific. Everyone must get this book. It is a must-get for everyone, and he's a, he's a guy we could all admire. Bassam Youssef is our very special guest, and thrilled to have you. Uh, Bassam, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, wonderful words. Thank you so much. Well, listen. Congratulations on on everything that you've done, and uh, and that's not just in entertainment, but in life. I mean, you've uh, you've stood up for what you needed to stand up for. You've gotten out of places you didn't want to. You've gotten through a lot of things that we never would had uh, believed that we'd have to go through. So, listen. Congratulations on all of that. Let's let's talk about your book. Uh, a bit, it, and it talks about some heavy stuff and some great stuff: uh, prejudice, friendship, um, uh, you know, empathy, courage. Uh, tell us a little bit of, about the book. Well, I was a little bit inspired by my daughter Nadia. She's uh, she's 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 uh, she's in um, um, third grade now, but the the book is about Nadia if she's going to be in middle school, and um, I, I look uh, to what happened in, in this country in the past few years. And I think that all of our problems basically stems from the fact that we do not deal with these problems at an earlier stage in our childhood. And uh, the same in America, the same in Egypt, the same in the Middle East, the problems are everywhere. But the thing is they have been also repetitive throughout history. History has a way to repeat itself. So I thought, I, as I'm someone who's fascinated by Egyptian, uh, ancient, uh, ancient Egyptian history. So I kind of created this character, Titi, who's kind of like the genie of Aladdin. He's an ancient Egyptian teacher who's been locked in a pendant for thousands of years. And he's freed on the hands of Nadia. She's a daughter of an immig immigrant parents here in America. And when he materializes to her, he starts to help her with her modern uh, problems in her school. And these are basically problems that come from the fact that she's not being understood because from a, she's from a different culture, she's from a different color. And... Uh, uh, and then he takes her into these amazing and magical uh, historical dives into comic books. So whenever she has a problem, she, he takes her back in history, and she learns that all of these problems have a root in history. And she, uh, that, these magical trips uh, helps her solve her problems. Uh, and I didn't want to kind of have this book as something to be, you know, a, a, like a hit on the nose or being too preachy. It's actually that has a lot of adventure and a lot of uh, funny moments. And uh, as a matter of fact, like, you know, we have a studio that's very interested to turn this into an animated series. Wow. So uh, it's been amazing writing this book, and it's also amazing reading it. Listen, terrific, and uh, you know, again, it's uh, you've got my intrigue, and um, I'm I'm buying this, I'm purchasing this uh, as soon as I can, and I'm urging everyone else to do uh, the same. It, it's great, and especially when you get a chance to uh, influence young minds, and and it's a very difficult time of life, and and you know, if you yep. could, uh, if you could, especially if you if you're coming from a place where you feel like you are different and you're being treated differently, do you think things are getting better? Better now? Um, are, are things on the on the rise, uh, or do people from the Middle East still have uh, have a problem? Well, I think you know, I, I think it's a very dynamic situation. I mean, uh, it, at some point, it's it's getting worse on certain points where 
you know, there, there is a rise of LGBT hate and um, misinformation. But on the other side, more and more people are getting involved and more and more people are understanding and, and opening up their minds. So that's why you cannot, it is not like an absolute uh, answer of like it's getting better or worse. Maybe it's getting worse for some people, but also more people are getting together and understanding and, and seeing the other, uh, what does it need to be different. And that's why I actually wrote that book, because the, the, this country is, was based and built by people who were different, and people who basically came from uh, different backgrounds. And I want to tell people and I show people that being different is a point of strength, not that it should never be dealt with as a, a point of weakness. Yeah, well, listen, it's it, it's it's important. Uh, let me ask you, right after 9-11, I imagine that was the height of the prejudice against folks from the from the Arab world and all these innocent folks that had nothing, you know, more in their minds than to become American and to, uh, you know, to to live here and to live free here. Uh, got it got got a, a treatment of prejudice right around that time. I hope that it wasn't too. Uh, too long you know I hope that it didn't last too long I think since that experience I think we grew as Americans that we grew and we understood the Arab world a lot better uh, what can you say about that and because I to me that was probably the height of uh, of prejudice against the Arab world well I mean we have to remember that what happened after 9-11 was not just prejudice against Muslims or Arabs I mean there were Christian Arabs there were Indian Sikhs they were uh, Buddhists, you know, they just like, looked brown like us. Uh, it, it, the, the event and who did the, the, the I mean, the, the terrorist attack and who did it was irrelevant afterwards because there was just like hate that was directed to everybody who looked different. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like Christian Egyptians who suffered. I mean, I, as a matter of people forget that the first victim of hate crimes after 9-11, it, it was someone who was killed in his convenience shop and he was Egyptian, but he was Christian Coptic. He was Christian, he was not even Muslim. And he was killed in his shop Amazing. right after 9-11. He was the first victim of, of, hate, uh, of, of hate crimes, you know? So people, uh, that is the problem of people having this idea of like categorizing people, not knowing that we are so much, so much interlocked and intermingled more than we ever think. And that is why, like, if you have, like, that's why the, the book have this idea of like, looking with an eye of empathy for people who are different even someone who's like as white as they can get at a certain point in their history when they were irish or italian these people were being you know persecuted and 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 looked uh, upon in a different eye like we were we are being looked upon now and we're talking about like 150 200 years 300 years when many people came from italy and from ireland and they were white and they were like looked at as someone who were no doubt about it. Let me remind everyone to get the book, The Magical Reality of Nadia. Uh, if you have young kids, if you don't, but you know friends that have it, just get get one, get two. It's an important book. It's a great children's book and uh, thrilled to have Bassam Yosef here with us for another minute. Uh, Bassam, can you give us a website, a social media site where people could follow along and, and see what you're doing? Yeah. Follow my Instagram at Bassam, just simply at Bassam. And my, web my website is uh, BassamYusuf.xyz. Uh, very easy. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations on everything, and thank you very much for spending a little time with us. Thank you so much.
Basim Yosef, everyone. Please get this book. It is, uh, yeah, terrific, uh, and, and a terrific author. And, and again, I, I kid you not, I mean, Google uh, Bassam, his, his career is just, uh, it, it's, it's incredible. And again, he's, uh, he's been called the John Stewart of the Arab world, the John Stewart of the Middle East, uh, and, and he is. I mean, he's, uh, you could tell just in the few minutes we had with him, uh, he's bright, he's thoughtful, and, you know, this, these are the type of folks that we want, uh, you know, writing books for, for kids. And, and uh, it's great that he got his daughter involved and um, you know, just terrific. And again, the book is The Magical Reality of Nadia. I urge everyone to get it. Uh, absolutely terrific. I've ordered one and I, I got somebody in mind that I'm going to get it to. It, it touches on prejudice, friendship, empathy, courage, uh, and, and a whole bunch of good things, but uh, th this guy uh, escaped uh, dictatorship. I mean, he was he was outspoken, and uh, it's you know in, in Egypt and uh, other places in the Middle East, it's it's not the greatest thing in the world um, to uh, to get yourself uh, hated by the government. And uh, and 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 guess what? It's easy to do so if you're speaking your mind. And uh, you know he's one of those guys. <laughs> he's one of those guys who just he couldn't keep it to himself. And I, I'm sure I would be like that, and many of you would be like that. And he just spoke out, and he he had to get out of there. He was not welcome. He is not the type of guy that is welcome in a dictatorship. And good for him. He picked up and he got himself out. He got uh, he his and his own and um, out to safety. And uh, he's doing all kinds of great things. But the book is his latest, The Magical Reality of Nadia is the name of it. Frank McKay signing off. Our very special guest is the author of that book and so much more, Bassam Yosef. And uh, Bassam Yosef is, um, again, the John Stewart of the Arab world. Thrilled to have him. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.